a great thing to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. You're looking very good looking today, aren't you? I think we got all of the incredibly, amazingly good-looking people in church yesterday. We met up with the women of faith yesterday and we can't tell you about it because we'd have to kill you. But it was fun. Gathering with women is just the best. It smells the best. They look the best. The food is the best. But that's all I can tell you because, you know, it's secret. What a great thing to be in the house of God today, isn't it? A wonderful thing. I've been around the last few weeks preaching in different churches. Last week I was in a church called Riverview, which is an independent church in Perth. And week before in a church called Discovery, which is a great church of Christ church. Week before at Crossway, which was a great Baptist church. But I'm glad to be with my people today. I am a Pentecostal through and through. And, you know, it's just exciting to be somewhere where we welcome and are open to the Holy Spirit. It's been great. You know, Alpha works with about 1,700 churches around Australia. Currently... 17% of Catholic parishes are running Alpha. Isn't that fantastic? So, you know, if, if you, yeah, when you invite someone to come to Alpha and they say, oh, but I'm Catholic, you go, fantastic. Alpha's approved by the Catholics. It's the gospel we all agree on. If someone says, I'm an atheist, you go, oh, great. We love having atheists come because they give us the best discussion. If I'm Buddhist, you, you get the drift, don't you? Whatever they say they are, you go, fantastic. You're really welcome. And who doesn't love going and having a free feed? In May this year, probably the first week in May, in fact, you guys may be a part of this, we will hit our 500,000th guest in Alpha Australia. Isn't that fantastic? 500,000 people have been involved in Alpha. That's the MCG, the other spiritual home um, in Melbourne, filled five times. That's the whole population of Tasmania, just in case you're wondering. Isn't that great? Imagine every Tasmanian filled with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit and praying for healing. So we want to thank John Graham and others that have faithfully sowed into that. Isn't that amazing? So we've done our research, people. It works in Australia. And so we are celebrating hard and then we are on track for hitting one million Australians. One million Australians um, exploring faith through Alpha, which is fantastic. Hey guys, good to see you. Was it more fun at East or is it better here? No, 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 we're not competitive, but we think the North Campus is better, right? But don't tell them. And Charles didn't nod. He just went, ah, ha, 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 You know that nervous pastor laugh? Like, oh, we don't have favourite children. They're all favourite. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> There's nothing new in that. Around the globe, 26 million people have done Alpha. And so we're on track now, strategising for 100 million people. Because the harvest is ready. We just need workers in the harvest field and tools that will help us bring in the harvest together. 500,000 people doing Alpha in Australia matters because each person matters. Each person is a story that's important. And the reason we want to hit a million is because I have friends and family and neighbours that don't yet know Jesus. Don't you? And we want to take them on that journey. Our research says 70% of Australians pray. Isn't that incredible? In your street, seven out of 10 people pray. The challenging thing is 49% don't get to have a spiritual conversation. So they don't talk about it. But when they're in trouble, they cry out, God help me, God help me. So there's a cry in the heart of people to know more about spirituality. And while we've had a challenging time in the church with royal commissions and there's some barriers to entry, 
Research says every one of those barriers is overcome when they know someone of faith. So they say, oh, we've got challenges in the church, but you be like, Greg, he's a good guy. Oh, we really like, <laughs> it's true, it's true. These are a great couple. You know, you actually see someone's character when you travel through Kenya with them in the slums. You know, the sights and smells and sounds, you know, it's kind of interesting. We went to Nigeria together too, didn't we? You really get to, not yet, not yet. Well, you know, if you just man up, Greg, I'd be able to tell you. <laughs> That's what I said to my pastor, you know. Oh, look, Pastor Brian, are you man enough to go to Nigeria? So we'll see, we'll see. So we love those places. But when you go there, you see character. And these guys are people of character. What I love most about Greg and Sue is they come alongside people. Their desire is that every one of us flourish. Their desire is that you be the best you that you can be and raise up the best team. And the quality of your interns and the quality of your women is fantastic. And I can see why, because I come here today and you all look pretty good. Some of you are laughing because you're not sure if you look good or not. Just have a look to the left. Have a look to the right. Yeah, yeah, they look okay. They look okay. If that's not working for you, get out your phone and take a selfie. (laughs) I'm going to start with my closing scripture this morning. I'm not sure why, but, you know, sometimes you just have to depend on the Holy Spirit. In fact, all the time we have to depend on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to speak maybe about Elijah later. But I've got this scripture on my heart this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And it goes like this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the prequel to Galatians. So I know you've been hanging out in Galatians. You all know about Galatians. This is the prequel. You know how that happens? We're going back to what he was saying before that. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 in the message puts it this way. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 500,000 people come May will have prayed the prayer, the most ancient prayer of the church before there was liturgy, come Holy Spirit. The prayer that we all agree on and what God is bringing back to his church in Australia is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellow, if you want to see the power of God at work, go to a Catholic Holy Spirit weekend. No filters, right? There's no expectation. There's, they, they don't know what will happen. So amazing things happen. Amazing things happen because people are open to the supernatural. They just want to build a bridge of trust and relationship. They want to know who God is. They want to know who Jesus is. And so this morning, we're going to start with prayer because you're all sitting down and comfortable and that doesn't work for me. The ext- may the love of God, the love of God, think about that for a moment. The love of God. God doesn't just have love, He is love. His very essence is love. He cannot not love, if that makes sense. We were at a, um, a Holy Spirit gathering. You know, we had, a, we had this Holy Spirit weekend in the middle of Alpha. It's a day, it's a night, it's a weekend, whatever. And what it is, is an opportunity for people to receive prayer. And so we were in this particularly large church and they'd done an Alpha in all sorts of small groups and they came back together to do this big Alpha together. And so I just kind of was wandering around seeing if I could help out. And at Pentecostal Church, we have a expectancy that God will move, which is a great thing. And so I was just walking around, there was this one particular group and there was a very, very dignified Japanese lady. And she was just kind of, she'd been prayed for and then she was just sitting there and outwardly nothing was happening. 
And you know, as a Pentecostal, I sometimes feel like I have to market God. Do you feel like that? Kind of got it. So I was waiting until she was just sitting there and 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 sitting there while other people are getting prayed for and things are happening. There's hundreds and hundreds of people in this building. And but this person stood out to me because I thought, what's happening? And in my outward thinking, I thought nothing's happening and I'm gonna have to explain that to her. So she finished praying and it just so happened that I decided to go out to have a cup of tea at the same time as her and it just so happened we were walking next to each other and it just so happened we struck up conversation. (laughs) And so we were talking to her and I said to her, how did you find that? Thank you so much. How did you find that? And she said, "Um, that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I'm like, but outwardly nothing happened. She said this, I don't think I've ever experienced the love of a father before. And as I was just sitting there, I had a picture of God the Father just putting me on his knee and just loving me, loving me, loving me. The extravagant, incredible love of God. And I went, oh, that sounds good and got my cup of tea. Because the Holy Spirit knows what we need. He knows where we are and He doesn't come with one size fits all. He brings a custom made plan to each one of us. And maybe today you just need to know the love of God. Someone here just goes, you know, I just don't feel loved. I've got a favourite song, Party Hill Song Church, which is quite nice and they do a few songs. But... My favourite song of all time, and I've told some of the songwriters this, when you can match this song, you know you've really hit it. This song is this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. You see, God doesn't love me because I feel it, he loves me because he is love. And his word says he loves me. So the, may the love of God, I'm, I'm starting with the benediction. So if you're you know, taking notes and you're a sermon person, that's be interesting for you. <laughs> the incredible love of God and then the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The incredible grace of our Lord Jesus. I was brought up third generation Pentecost. Uh, my husband, third generation. We love the church. But over the years that we've been part of the church, we've seen some stuff. So if you want to trade horror stories, we probably can. I remember one time during a particularly bad church situation where people were doing things they shouldn't or I thought they shouldn't. Um, I'm going to talk about Elijah today. And so I actually put that into practice. For a week, I prayed and fasted for fire from heaven. (laughs) Why waste it on a dead cow when you've got live people that are not doing what they should be? Just in case you're wondering, it didn't work. Because when we start to pray, God changes us. And God, the love of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is amazing. See, we used to have really catchy songs back when I was little. Things like, there'll be no miniskirts in my father's house. (laughs) I remember being on an altar call for makeup. It was a sad altar call because today, I'd only repent if I didn't put some makeup on before I saw people. We had lots of rules and regulations and it wasn't that those were bad. The heart of that was we want to become more like Jesus. But we become a little bit like the Pharisees and Sadducees, making up lots and 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 lots of laws. And Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, hey, you're white on sepulchres. You're shutting up heaven and you're not even going there yourself. 
So going down that legalism track doesn't lead to a good pathway. And so over the last however long it is, we've been more and more aware of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the incredible grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the grace of the Lord Jesus just working in my life and and helping me to grapple with issues that I used to be clear on. You know, I used to be clear on who was going to heaven and who wasn't. I remember meeting probably 25 years ago with a particular gentleman and, um, you know, from the Catholic Church and we were going to discuss a whole lot of stuff and, you know, it was really challenging for me because at that time I knew that the Catholic Church was the whore of Babylon and so I wasn't sure that I should be associating with them. And what I've learned over the decades is just the incredible privilege and richness of the heritage of faith. The incredible richness of people, um, you know, just like in any church around the world. There are people who know Jesus personally and people who don't. That's the truth in every church that I've ever been to. But there are people who love Jesus. And so the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I spend time with lots of different churches and sometimes I go to a church and I say, you know, Lord Jesus, what do you think about all these bells and smells? You know, really, should men be wearing those kind of frocks? <laughs> should we have those crucifixes? I'm just, I've got jewellery envy. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I want one of those, you know, nice white embroidered hats. You know, I just, what do you think about this? I just remember the prompting of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus, someone, saying, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And then, you know, I'm in one of those loud churches where my dad is 85, turns his hearing aid off and puts earplugs in and, and still it's quite loudish. <laughs> I remember being here, there with him. as he, he doesn't mind it at all because he just then puts noise-cancelling headphones on. Just layer up the headphones. It'll work. Because <laughs> he loves the words. He loves the enthusiasm. He loves keeping up with what God's doing now. And he said, you know, um, I, I thought, you know, it's a bit sad that, you know, this might be a bit loud for my dad. Lord, is this kind of worship you like? Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. You see, Jesus is so much more gracious than me. He loves the worship of his people, whether it's, you know, in the, in the whatever kind of church it is, whatever kind of place it is. However people are doing, he loves it because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us can say, oh, but won't grace lead to liberty? Yes, and freedom. But won't that be misused? No. When the love of God surrounds you and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's how much we can become like him. How much we can become like him that matters, isn't it? So the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a sense I was sitting there today that there's some people here, and particularly with your kids, maybe they're adult kids or they might be teenagers, there's some challenges that are happening in their life and you don't know how to respond to it. And you're, you're torn between what the word says, what you know to be true from your past, but your love as a parent. And can I... I just affirm today that I think the Holy Spirit is saying to you, this is a season to love them. This is a season. To, you need to show unconditional love. They're feeling enough guilt and shame and condemnation without you jumping in. Just show them love. And there'll be a new season where the Holy Spirit will say something else to you. I just want to affirm today because you're kind of going, is that being weak? Showing unconditional? Is it weak that God shows us unconditional love? Or is it incredible strength? Because let me tell you, if I was God, I'd wipe us out. <laughs> Wouldn't you? 
I mean, I can't believe that he chooses us to be part of his plan of salvation. I don't think I've ever seen an angel. But every time they appear, whoever sees them goes, they say to whoever sees them, fear not. Now, if you were God, wouldn't you just send angels? I'd just send them in front of people and say, be afraid. (laughs) Be very afraid. (laughs) Turn or burn. Your choice. And preferably send an angel who says, be afraid, with a flaming sword. Like, let's just kind of put it out there, people. Wouldn't that be a great pathway to salvation? (laughs) I'd put a chip in people's heads. At five, they say, hey, you need to come to Jesus. At 13, you're getting close to your last warning. (laughs) At 18, you've got 24 hours off. (laughs) Wouldn't you? that That would work, would you think? I think there's, I could come up with a hundred different ways of how, if I was God, I would force people to come to him. I probably wouldn't have allowed free will in the first place. You know, I'm, so long as the dictator is me and I'm benevolent, I'm for dictatorship. (laughs) The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've freely received it, haven't you? So we need to keep on living in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my favourite, if there's a favourite, the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Holy Spirit was our comforter, our counsellor, and our guide into all truth. The intimate fellowship, living daily, walking in the Holy Spirit. We talked yesterday about how Jesus did most of his miracles in the marketplace. You know, I am a serial prayer in the marketplace. I haven't seen a shopping centre. I don't want to stop and pray for someone. (laughs) Some of you go, "Uh uh-huh, how does that work for you? Interestingly, (laughs) you see, God wants to work through us. The Holy Spirit wants to prompt us. He wants to talk to us. He has talked to everybody here because that's how we came to know Jesus or that's how we're on the pathway to coming to know Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. So as we keep following him, we just learn to recognize that voice and walk in it and walk in it and walk in it. So you can stand now. Some of you are going, but it's not the end of the service. No, sorry, it's not. <laughs> but sometimes you can pray in the middle. Is that okay? One thing we pray, wherever we go in any church, most ancient prayer of the church, come Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray that in a moment. I invite you just to open your hands, raise your arms. It's better than folding them and say, God, get me if you have to. It's an openness to God. It's an openness to the Holy Spirit. He knows what we need today. We're going to pray, come Holy Spirit. And we're going to do that a few times. And then we're going to pray either in English, the language of our heart, or the language of the Holy Spirit. Language of the Holy Spirit is my favourite. Because when we do that, we are building ourselves up. When we do that, we are releasing God's power. When we do that, we're praying for supernatural things. If you've never spoken in the supernatural language, today's your opportunity. If we ask for fish, he won't give us a stone. So when we say, come Holy Spirit, just say, come Holy Spirit. I'd love to be filled with you. I'd love to speak in a language I've never learnt. And then you just wait and then you just start speaking it out. And here's what will happen to you. You'll get these words in your head and you go, that's not me. Get behind me, Satan. When was the last time you made up words in your head after asking the Holy Spirit's help? It doesn't happen. He starts, but he doesn't come and move our mouth. That's the angel with the flaming sword. (laughs) He just comes and invites us to cooperate with his plan. And we start to speak out the words of life. Can you do that? So close your eyes because you get distracted. 
And let's just raise our hands and let's several times all of us just say, Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Let's pray in the language, shall we? Come on, stir up that gift. Pray in the language of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Holy Spirit, we reach out to you. So I was sitting in church today. I felt the Holy Spirit say for this church, you're entering a season of the supernatural. God is going to start working supernaturally through you, supernaturally at work, supernaturally in your families, supernaturally. And the way that we bring that to being is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's stir up that gift. Let's pray in the Spirit. And now just receive the love of the Father. Just allow a baptism of the love of the Father just to flood over you. We receive your love, Father. We receive your love. We receive your love. Then why don't you just thank the Lord Jesus Christ for his grace. Just thank him. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. I don't deserve it, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. See, the church is coming to a season of the supernatural. And the Holy Spirit wants to work through each one of us to lift up Jesus wherever we are. I particularly want to pray for a few people today. If you're between 18 and 25, or if you're 26 and 27 and want to get in this, that's okay. But I'm looking at young adults, 18 to 25. We're going to, in a moment, you're going to raise your hands and we're going to pray for you. Because here's what I sensed. There are stories that you've heard, but God wants to give you your own stories. There are things that you've heard about and desired, but it's time for you to step into that. It's time for you to have your own journey of what God wants to do in the young adults in this church. 18 to 25, maybe 20, 26, 27 if you have to. Put your hand up. If you're not sure how old you are, we've got all sorts of other issues. Okay, church, look around. I want at least two hands on every person with their hand raised. Come on, move. Move, move, move. You're allowed to move in church today. Put your hands on someone's shoulders. And I want you to start praying in the language of the Holy Spirit. Pray in English. We're all praying at the same time. No one's leading in prayer except for me because we're not laying hands on anyone suddenly. We are praying in the language of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have your hands on someone, reach out to God and pray in the Holy Spirit for those that aren't here. Every young adult in this place, every young adult. Father, we just thank you today that your hand is upon the young adults in this church. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you want to do signs and wonders through them. We stir up the gifts of the Spirit. We pray that there will be prophecies, tongues, interpretation, words of wisdom, gifts of faith, working of miracles flowing naturally. 
but supernaturally through these young people. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you've done in the past, but we pray today for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. We pray today for your healing, supernatural power. We thank you. We thank you that they will be strong and do great exploits for you are with them. We just give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're in need, don't, don't sit down. <laughs> if you're in need of healing today for yourself or someone else, you need a miracle. You need a miracle. I know someone who's good at them. Don't you? I was telling that ladies yesterday about some of the miracles in my life, not because of who prayed for me, because of who they prayed to. God is our healing God. Yourself or others need healing. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Okay, if you're a young adult, you better go and find someone to pray for. You've been prayed for. It's your time to work. Find someone to pray for. And if they don't have their hand raised, just pray for them anyway. It's a freebie. (laughs) Praying in the language of the Holy Spirit, praying in English. Healing power, your healing power. Someone with a respiratory condition, you've had trouble breathing. Today, God's just going to include that. He's going to set that free. You're going to breathe easily for the first time. Someone here today and you've got a, a problem. I don't, know what the, I don't know what the muscle on the back of your leg is, but you've had, it's like you walk with a limp. God's just going to bring freedom today, freedom today. People here and you are believing for new life. I want to tell you that God is the giver of life. And today we're going to believe for new life for those who need it, new life for those who need it today, those who are asking for it. We just thank you for it. We thank you for it. Father, we pray for those who aren't here that we're standing in for. We thank you that you said, speak the word and your servant will be healed. And so we pray today for supernatural healing. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will speak the word and we will see change in circumstances, that we will see that which has been seen hopeless, that hope will be shed abroad. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the giver of life and we ask for life. In situations where there's been challenged with birth, we pray for your life, for your life, for your life. And we stand against the devourer who's seeking to come and steal and kill and destroy. We come against that in the name of Jesus Christ who says, I'm come that you might have life and have it in abundance. We stand in for friends and family today that that have situations of suicide hanging over their head. Lord, we just thank you that you are the giver of life, the giver of life, the giver of life and your blood avails to them. We just give you thanks for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can high five someone now and you can sit down if you want. If you're thinking that I'm here and you're doing all the work, that'd be true. <laughs> so that was just that, that was going to be my closing scripture. So we'll see if it comes back. I want to talk today about God's plan in the journey. And I'm going to just keep it short because it's just one guy in the Bible. In James, good book, very, very good book, Greg. James chapter five says this, Elijah was as human as we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed for rain and down it poured. The grass turned green and the crops crops began to grow again. I want to talk about today that Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed, things happened. Things happened. You know, 17 years ago, I went to Nigeria for the first time. 17 times ago, it was actually... um, probably about 17 years. I went to Nigeria for the first time because I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you need to get involved with prisoners in Nigeria. 
And I figured that was the Holy Spirit because I would never, ever, ever have thought of that myself. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a goal. It wasn't on the bucket list. So I ended up, you know, and I've done lots of stuff in prisons for years in Nigeria and Congo and other places. And it's been an interesting, interesting journey. I've been shot at. People come at me with a knife. You know, it's just been, it's been an interesting time. And then working with churches. And we've seen hundreds, hundreds of pastors trained in the prisons. We've seen God do some amazing things. He's a supernatural God. But last year, when I went to Nigeria, I was in South Africa and just kind of getting ready. You know, when God wants you to go places, it doesn't mean it's necessarily easy. So I was just getting ready to go, and I was thinking, you know, why do I have to keep on visiting prisoners? You know, they're nice people, but I really don't like where they hang out. And, you know, this Muslim chief of prisons said that when I was in Nigeria, uh, he recognised that I was sent from God so I could go to any prison I wanted to, which is fine, except I still never wanted to. <laughs> but somehow that's what happens. And then I got to the Congo and they, God didn't even tell me to visit prisoners in the Congo. The pastors did. <laughs> so I ended up wandering around. So this time I just prayed a random prayer. And it, it, wasn't, I don't, it wasn't on my knees. I could, it was more of a, a thought prayer. You know how, how you have those? And I said, God, you know... This, Nigeria has kings. There are all these states with kings. Do you reckon I could meet some kings? You know, I'm not sure why I'm doing the prisoner thing, but let's just go to the king. And I realised I hadn't met a king before, so I thought it would be fun. You know, God hears the prayer of our heart because it's not who we are, it's who we pray to. And I never prayed to meet a king before. No wonder I hadn't met one. So we're getting on the plane. I used my points to upgrade. And so I was sitting next to this particular guy. And we'd been chatting for a couple of minutes. So we were friends. And this, um, this guy gets on with a whole big entourage. And, you know, he was kind of wandering on the plane. And um, I said to my, the guy next to me, oh, he looks like a bishop or something. He goes, oh, no, he's the king. He's the king of the state where we're going, where Lagos is. I said, oh, you see, that's interesting. And so he was sitting a couple of rows, you know, behind me and over to the side. And so I sort of stood up and, you know, thought... This, could, this is the king. He's obviously here to meet me. So I got in my overhead locker and I always buy, go to the reject shop and buy as many Australian flags as I can, as cheap as possible. Um, and so I got one of those down and a Hillsong CD, which I didn't get a discount on. And I pulled those things down and um, I just sort of got ready. And he looked over and I looked over and, and that was a sign. So I walked over to him. <laughs> I think he was actually just looking around the plane, but never mind. I was in the line of sight. Walked over to him and said, hi, I'm Melinda. I'm from Australia. And, um, you know, I just thought I'd say hello. I've been to this country so many times. Lovely to meet you. He said, oh, lovely to meet you. Can I give you the Australian flag? Oh, yes. And a Hillsong CD. Oh, thank you. Um, and he said, are you, are you the ambassador? I said, well, I'm an ambassador. And so we just talked for, you know, a few minutes and, um, and then we sat down and we're getting off the plane and, you know, he must have come around. He was walking down my aisle and I was going to get off the plane. If you've ever been to Lagos, you know it. It is one of the most challenging, except for Kinshasa, it's one of the most challenging airports in the world. Um, and, you know, it's not for the faint hearted. So I was, you know, getting ready to fight my way through and all of the things that would happen and to yell as loudly as I could, I do not pay extra tax because... You know, sometimes they want me to pay extra money. Um, and so he was, he was walking past me and he said, would you like to walk off with me? I said, I would. So he trots off and I trot off behind him. And I've been to this airport many times and I didn't know there was a lane for kings. So we're walking through customs and he walks through customs and waves and I walk through customs and wave. <laughs> 
It was fantastic. I thought to myself, why didn't I pray this years ago? We get off, you know, I don't tell anyone about this because it's, it's a bit awkward. And um, people think you're a bit special, you want to meet a king. You know, I just thought, why not? So we get on the plane the next day to go to Port Harcourt, which is where um, I, I meet with a pastor there who, you know, has, um, he was healed of leprosy. That's how he came to faith. Um, and so here's, here's a brother that God connected me with. And so I was getting off the plane to meet him and we have all these protocol people and, you know, they take you off in a VIP section so you don't contaminate everybody else. And um, so they were getting my luggage. I'm in this VIP section. I'm talking to one of my security guards because, you know, we have armed guards with the sirens, and the whips, and we just go down any side of the road we want to. And it's fantastic. Um, you should come. So I was talking to one of my security guards and there's a guy standing over in the corner. And I said, oh, who's that? Because it's unusual to see someone else in this compound. And he said, oh, that's the king of this state. Oh, is it? So I go to my luggage. I've got my little hand luggage. I've got an Australian flag. got a Hillsong CD. Just kind of standing there. He didn't look up, but I didn't let that stop me. So I went over and said, hello, I'm Melinda. Good to meet you. I've been to River State here many times. Thank you for your hospitality. It's always great to come back. And he said, oh, good. And so we had a bit of a chat. You know, presented him with a flag, presented him with a Hillsong CD. It was all lovely. Two kings, two days, two kings. How amazing is that? I should have prayed this a long time before. So then we did a whole lot of services and you got, you know, people. And then, um, you know, we do this apostolic thing where we go into, not we, really, they do it, but I kind of have got dragged along. So we went off to this place called Bielsa, which you've probably never heard of, and, and there's, there's a reason. Um, so we went on this this... You couldn't really call it a road. We went on this pathway, kind of. And so we travelled for quite a while and we're coming to this place to have this meeting with all these apostolic leaders and it's hot and I'm tired and I'm hungry. And we stop outside this, this big house. And I said, oh, where are we? They said, oh, this is the king of Bielsa. I thought, I've been coming here a lot of times and you've never introduced me to a king. Now they're everywhere. So, you know, I go to get my Australian flag and my Hillsong CD. Um, I've only got one. And, um, and they said, oh, there's a visiting king. We've got two kings. I thought, it's a two-king day. It's amazing. So I had a couple of flags, but only one CD. So I thought, what am I going to do? Ah, it's Africa. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> one CD does the whole country. Um, <laughs> So we go in there, we meet the king, we meet the other king, we do the protocol, you know, just want to present the Australian flag, present the Australian flag, are you the ambassador? I'm an, an ambassador, you know, um, because, you know, we don't have an ambassador there. The Department of Foreign Affairs always tells me they won't rescue me if I get in trouble. So I feel like I can take up the role of ambassador. And I'm ambassador for Jesus, so it all works. So we went there and met them and, you know, had all the photos and did the whole thing. And I said, look, I'm here to preach. You know, I said, so you should come and hear me. I'm pretty good. I'm the best white Australian woman they've ever heard. <laughs> Mainly because they think I'm from Austria. <laughs> oh, we've got Melinda from Austria. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, got up to preach and the kings came and they bring little thrones. And, and um, on the way to this, my brother there has built a church planting school there and so he was showing me his family property they built this church planting property to train rural pastors and you know all sort of stuff it's all very nice but it was very hot and um and he was saying you know and that's land next door wouldn't it be amazing if we owned that land well now all land looks the same to me and I went uh-huh 
And he said, you know, we could build a home for women and children because he knows that's what I'm interested in. And, you know, we could help women with domestic violence and we could help them get education. He was just going this whole stuff and I'm just like, yeah, have you got any Coke? Um, like a drink. <laughs> get in trouble. <laughs> um, so that just, you know, that just kind of went into my head somewhere randomly. So we're having this meeting with the kings and I'm preaching. We've got everybody there and, you know, we're doing all this stuff and it's all very interesting. And at the end of it, you know, I just went and said hello to the kings again because, you know, we're mates. And, um, and one of the kings said, we should do something to celebrate your inaugural visit. I just wanted to say, it's not inaugural, buddy. <laughs> this is my only visit. But anyway, you didn't because they're a king and they like the place. Um, and so he said, you know, what could we do to celebrate? And I said, well, I, I have a Nigerian name from this, uh, uh, this region, Alare. And so this is like, you know, this is uh, Apostle Ziliagri. He's my brother. And so this is our family home. Oh, that's, so it would be good if there was something that could celebrate that, you know. And I don't know where it came from because the Holy Spirit just tells you stuff. And you find yourself speaking it out without really understanding it. So I said, so it'd be great if I had some land. And it'd be really good if it was like near the family. And he goes, oh. So they gave me this land by the river. You know, I think because there was lots of people around, he couldn't say no. <laughs> and he passed away and went to heaven um, just a couple of months ago anyway. So he's not getting the land back. So we had the, we had the land and... Um, and we've built a place on there and next time I go back, I'll either through Skype or probably in person, have to go and, and open this accommodation. For, uh, they will have used it for years, but I'll open it with a ribbon for women and girls. And I remember after that, just kind of going back in the long, 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 long car ride and thinking, wow, if only I'd prayed this years ago. If only I'd prayed this years ago. What is it that you and I aren't praying? God says, ask of me the nations for your inheritance. But we're too busy praying for a car space. Not that I'm against car spaces, you know. I live in the city, so sometimes they're quite handy. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed that it didn't rain, it didn't rain for three and a half years. I want to encourage you today that as you enter into this season of the supernatural, God is wanting to stir up your prayer life. He's wanting to stir up what you pray for. You know, I've been in some weird places in the world and I remember standing in front of this open sewer in a village in India, the first time I went to India. What a great place. And, um, and, and I, I said, God, what am I doing here? You know, this is, what, what? And he said, you prayed for it. Nah. I did not pray for this. He said, yeah. You see, when we're worshipping God, we're praying. You call me out beyond the waters. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And he hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. When you're praying this morning about your worshipping and saying, God, we want your supernatural. Holy Spirit, come. We're open to you. We're open. Let the oppressed go free. He goes, okay, I'll answer that prayer. I'll move through you. Elijah came from a little place called Tishbe near Gilead. He was just a little country guy. Never even been to Gilead, I don't think. And God says to him, I want you to go and I want you to speak to the king and say, until I says it, it's not going to rain. How would you feel if God told you to do that? You'd feel pretty important and pretty scared both, right? 
So I was like, wow. So the first time we see him, he's standing before King Ahab and he says, hey, King, until I say so, it's not going to rain. And my expectation, because this is how I think, would be that you would think to yourself, wow, the king is going to invite me to live in his house. He's going to look after me because I decide when it rains. And that's quite important. But the word of the Lord next came to him and said, hey, I want you to go down by a brook called Cherith. And he goes from being in the palace of the king and declaring truth to the king to sitting down by a brook. Nothing to eat, nothing to drink, except what the ravens bought. I don't know what appeals to ravens, but I doubt it's similar to what appeals to me. Every day. You see, he'd been obedient to God's plan. Now he's learning to have faith for himself. Every day that God will answer his prayer. Every day that God answers his prayer. Every day that God answers his prayer. You know, when God speaks to us, he puts visions and dreams in our heart, but it doesn't happen straight away. Ask Joseph how that works out. God forgets to mention that you're going to go, you're going to be in charge of Egypt, but it's going to be via the prison. It's going to be via false accusation. It's going to be by the pit. He leaves out the detail. God didn't say to Elijah, hey, you're going to be in the king's house and then you're going to go by a brook and ravens are going to feed you. No, no. That's the journey of faith, people. That God takes us through different seasons. So he's sitting there by a brook and then what happens? The brook dries up. You've been in places where you know God's told you to be there and then it gets worse. Not you people, you're spiritual. That'd be me. <laughs> I'm in lots of places where it's like, okay, I know God's told me to, got here, to, to, to be here, but now it's got worse. And here's the incredibly challenging thing. The brook drying up was a direct result of his prayer. See, he prayed that there would be no rain. And now the only thing he's got, the brook has dried up. When we pray for things, God does them in unexpected ways. He takes us places we never expect and we think he's not answering our prayer. He is. He just doesn't answer it the way we expect. His ways are higher than our ways. We have to trust his plan. He takes Elijah from a place of prominence <clears throat> excuse me, to a place of solitude. And that's what God does when he's teaching us the journey of faith and prayer. He takes us to a place where we have to rely every day on God for sustenance. And then what happens? The brook dries up and God says, it's okay. There's a widow over in Zarephath and she's going to make you food. Now, I don't know what Elijah was thinking, but he's a man. So he's thinking, whatever she cooks has got to be better than the ravens. He is spending the whole time, nine hours it took him at least, to go from one side of the country to the other, watching the result of his prayer, devastation. You might be praying for someone in your life and it looks like it's devastating. God's at work. Why do we think things will be easy? God, I just want you to bring them to their knees. So God will. But they'll be sloshing with the pigs for a while. And so he's there and he goes to this, and he's, I'm going to go to the widow, I'm going to the widow. And maybe he's thinking it's roast beef. Roast potatoes. Let's not go down that track because it's nearly lunch. Mm. He's thinking about all this food. And he gets to the widow. And she goes, sorry, no food. Just me and my son. We're going to eat what we have and then we're going to die. Doesn't that great on the faith journey? 
People don't always respond how you expect them to. But Elijah's learned some stuff. We have to learn some stuff in our daily walk that enables us then to have faith for the widow and the son. Because he said, it's okay, give it to me first and then I'll pray and we'll all be okay. He's got faith now for himself and the two others, three of them. And he's relying on God and God's providing their needs and God's providing their needs. But you know what always happens? Things go bad, worse, worse. Some of you go, it's not a word. Well, you haven't lived long enough. <laughs> Worser is a season. <laughs> and the, the, the son dies and Elijah is the first person ever, ever to believe God for new life, for resurrection life. And he prophesies three times by lying down that his son will come back to life. And he walks down the stairs with his son and the widow says, now I know you're a man of God. Isn't it interesting that we know God's hand upon our life, but it takes the journey of faith and obedience for others to see it. It takes a journey of faith and obedience for affirmation. It takes a journey of faith and obedience to go, yeah, God had a plan in all of that. And then God says, now go back to Ahab. And he's learned, just be obedient. You see, the more we follow God, the less information we get. Have you noticed that? Just do it. So he goes back to Ahab and he says, hey, let's go up and prove who the, who the, um, who the true God is. So he goes up the mountain. I've been to that mountain. There's no water anywhere. And he gets these prophets of Baal and the sub-prophets. There's hundreds of them there. And he says, hey, you go first. And so they build an altar and, you know, they cut themselves and they wander around and do all the stuff. And he is so far now out in faith that he says, hey, listen, shout louder. Maybe God's in the bathroom. It's in the Bible. I'm not being crude. <laughs> He's going, hey, keep on going. And at the end of it, when they're exhausted and frenzied, Elijah says, okay, now it's my turn. The easy thing for Elijah would be to use that altar. But we don't use the ways of false gods. He rebuilt the altar of the Lord. We need to say, how does God want us to operate? What does God want us to do? How do we go back to his first principles? We're not imitating or copying. We're an original. And so he builds the altar of the Lord and he tells them to pour water. If you're up on that mountain, there is no water around. You can see the sea in the distance on a good day. I don't know where they got water from, but it took a long time. We should not be afraid when answers to prayer take time. So he's there and he gets the water and then he just stands up and he says this, somewhere there in Kings. He says in verse 18, 36, he says, Lord, I'm your servant. Prove that I have done this at your command. Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know you. He doesn't pray long prayers. He doesn't pray fancy prayers. He just prays a simple prayer of faith because he's learnt who to pray to. And he's learnt what God is able to do. And now he has faith for himself, the widow and the son, and now he's having faith for a whole nation. For a whole nation. And what happens? God answers by fire. God answers by fire and it's consumed. This is a funny little picture to me because I've been up in this mountain several times with people. Greg and I probably do it when we go to Israel. And, and you walk up there and you go, wow, this is, this is amazing. Fire from heaven on a dead cow. And then he says, now let's chop off the heads of the prophets of Baal. Now, I don't know what kind of internship you run here. I'm sure it's really good. But I doubt it includes lessons in chopping off heads. 
That's Charles's job. <laughs> Chopping off heads. You see, sometimes following God is just hard work, isn't it? Chopping off heads, chopping off heads, chopping off heads, chopping off heads, setting up a building, cleaning up a building, making food for Alpha, packing up for Alpha. You see, we want everything to be easy, but sometimes the plans of God just require hard work. So he's chopping off heads. Fire from heaven on a dead cow, chopping off heads on live people. You figure out God's logic. But we're involved in his plan and purpose. And then I'm going to close with this so the band can come up. Then Elijah says to the king, hey, run ahead because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah didn't hear anything naturally. But as we walk in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, he enables us to hear things other people don't. He enables us to see things other people don't. He enables us to listen to his word and to step out in faith. And so he sends the king off and then he gets down on his knees and prays. And then he says to the servant, what do you see? The servant says, I see Anyone else read this passage? I see nothing. I see nothing. You can help out with the next bit. So then gets on his knees and he prays. He sends a servant out and he said, what do you see? And the servant said, nothing. You ever prayed and seen nothing? Gets on his knees, sends a servant out. What do you say? I see Hey, God, would you send down fire and show the people? Now God has told him to pray for rain and it's the third time and he still sees nothing. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that what's frustrating about prayer? Isn't that what makes the supernatural so challenging, wonderful, incredible, dreadful? Because God doesn't do the same thing the same way every time. And we cooperate with His plans, not ask Him to bless ours. Think about that one. And so, what do you see? I see. Okay, we're up to four. Praise. Sends out the servant. What do you see? I see. What would you be doing by now? Getting a new servant? (laughs) Don't forget, he's tired. He's chopped off 400 heads. I've never chopped off one, but it sounds tiring. What do you see? I see six times. Wow. Would you have given up? Seventh time. What do you see? I see a cloud the size of a man, a bit bigger than a man's hand. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah knows God's answering his prayer. I want to encourage you today that the journey of the supernatural, that the journey of prayer happens through people who are human like us. Cut people like Elijah who there are different times and different seasons and different things. And sometimes it's quick and sometimes it's chopping off heads and sometimes it's persevering in prayer. But every time it's obedience, every time. Would you stand with me as we close? James chapter 5, verse 17 to 18 says this, Elijah was as human as we are. As human as we are. Elijah was as human as you. He was as human as you. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. Wow. Then he prayed for rain, doesn't mention seven times, 
Then he prayed for rain and down it poured. The grass turned green and the crops began to grow again. It's a season of supernatural God stirring up in the church. And the way he's stirring it up through you is you starting to, or, or, or you're keeping going or you're starting to listen for what God's saying and cooperating with it. It's saying, God, use me. I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to pray big prayers. I want to see you work in my life. If it takes chopping off heads, I'm up for it. If it takes looking stupid and mocking the prophets of Baal, okay. If it takes rebuilding an altar, I'm up for it. If it takes me seven times on my knees, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for you. Would you close your eyes for a moment? And if you want to say, God, I'm hungry for you. I want to be like Elijah. Step out more in prayer and faith. Why don't you just raise your hands? Tell him you're open. God, I'm open. God, I'm open. Stir up the prophetic within me. Stir up the gifts of the Spirit. I'm open. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to keep on going. Teach me how to persist. Teach me not to give up. Holy Spirit, work in me. I'm as human as Elijah is. And yet I want to ask you for big things. I want to ask you for big things. I want to ask you for big things. I want to ask you. God's bringing back dreams and visions. Things that God spoke to you about that have been on your list that you prayed for and you've forgotten. God hasn't forgotten. God hasn't forgotten. God hasn't forgotten. You need to be praying prayers this week and say, God, I just thank you. I just thank you for everything I've been asking you for that you haven't forgotten. You haven't forgotten. Some of you need to say, God, I trust you that I might not see the answers to my prayers yet. I might be in heaven before I see it, but I thank you that you hear them and that you're at work, that you're at work, that you're at work, that you're at work. The most important prayer you can pray, and you can put your hands down when you're ready. The most important prayer you can pray is the first prayer, God help me, God help me. And when we pray, God help me, what we're saying is the God who loves me, Please help me. You see, God so loves us that He wants us adopted into His family. But because every one of us had sinned, we told a lie. There was one crime, one punishment. But the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ says, I don't want them to be cut off from God forever. I want to lay down my life so they might live. I want to lay down my life so that they might be adopted into God's family. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit comes alongside says Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. There's only one handle, it's on the inside. You need to open that and invite Him in. Holy Spirit is whispering to you now, you need Jesus. You need Jesus, you need Jesus. It would be the greatest privilege that I would have to pray with you. If you want to say, yeah, I want to open my heart to Jesus today. I want to invite Him into my life. I want to accept the grace of Jesus and the love of God in my life today. If you'd like me to pray that with you, just put your hand up right where you are and I'll see it. Say, yeah, I want to accept Jesus today. Thank you. When you're ready, put it down. How many other people saying, yeah, I want to accept Jesus today? Would you pray for me? This church, this is why we exist. It's why we exist. This is why we exist. That our friends and family our neighbours, people are far off might come to know Jesus. I'm going to pray with these two people today. I want to invite you to pray with me. If I pray out loud, they're going to pray out loud. If you pray with them, it'll help us all. Is that okay? Dear God, thank you for loving me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for dying for me. 
I invite you into my life. I want to turn from what I've been doing and follow you. Holy Spirit, will you help me? Will you guide me? And will you be my best friend? I ask it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. It's been great to be with you today. Isn't God good?